Well, baby, sex, well, sex is like chocolate cake. Huh? That was my initial response to my grandmother talking about the birds and the bees. And it was after a particularly embarrassing situation that I don't know if I want to talk about. But anyway, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to Wisdom Smack. And thank you so much for listening. So guess what? I'm going to see you on the flip. Ooh, I'm going to need y'all to uh, bear with me this time. Well, ain't nothing like it just to get to it. I was caught. And I didn't know that I was caught. I heard her voice. Michelle and the other person. I'm going to need y'all to get on up from there. Yep. Now, let me tell you how foolish the situation was. It was summertime and I had a quote-unquote play cousin visiting. And this little boy, as my grandmother called him, Manish, had talked to me with my cuckoo self. Now, I'm like 12 years. I'm old enough to be able to use my mind, but I guess I just did not know. This little Manish boy, as my grandmother called him, convinced me that it would be really good to let him rub up against me. And so my grandfather had a truck. I'll never forget it. It was a a yellow Ford. See, I said I'd never forget it. I know it was yellow and it was either a Ford or a Chevrolet, (laughs) but it was parked on the side of the house. And he got me in that truck. Now, mind you, it's summertime. The bed of the truck is metal and I'm hot. And he is rubbing his little pee-pee all up against me. And... Thank goodness for my grandmother because before I knew it, his hands are on my uh, little shorts trying to get them down. And my grandmother's like, "Mm -mm, nope, I'm going to need you to get get on up. And the way she said it, there was so much disappointment in her voice. And I was like, I've done something really bad. Because first of all, I didn't know how to get out of that situation. Now, I'm not saying this is a me too. Because I think he was maybe a few months older than me. I'm not saying that anything like that was on toward. I'm just saying that I was in a situation I was not ready for. Now, I need to preface this. I knew about the birds and the bees. My mother had had a very scientific talk with flowcharts. Well, poster boards, if, if that be the case back then. So I knew about that. But yet and still, I had this like displaced connection with my common sense. Now, this would be a recurring theme when it came to cute little boys over the years. But I digress. Let's get back on topic. My grandmother called for his uh, family to come get him because she was like, I'm not even driving him nowhere because I might beat him dead. (laughs) And so I was so embarrassed. She made me go take a bath. And she then asked me all the questions. You know, as an adult, I know that she was trying to figure out if there was penetration. Thank goodness there wasn't. There wasn't even skin to skin. Hallelujah. But it was horrible. And she said, she said, everybody can see you from the street. And I mean, I don't know why in my mind I could not. Like I said before, maybe it was trauma. I don't know. But I will say this, (laughs) that... The disappointment in my my grandmother's voice was what done me in. 
And so she gave me a few hours to go sulk and clean up and all of that. And then when I finally, you know, couldn't take it no more, basically I was hungry. I was lurking in the living room and she was in the kitchen doing what she does best in the summertime, prepping food for the winter and cooking. And she's like, come on in here. I need to talk to you. <laughs> so I, I climb up on the bar stool in front of the little uh, L-shaped part of the countertop where she did a lot of her cooking. And I don't remember what she was cooking. I just remember her giving me the grace to not stare me down like I knew she wanted to, but she talked to me. And this is what she said. She said, babe, sex is like chocolate cake. I was like, huh? (laughs) And so she started in. She said, you know, when I do a chocolate cake in the summertime and how I like to sit it in the refrigerator so that the frosting can get that that hardness to it. So it won't melt when I put it in the uh, cake under the cake plates dome for your granddaddy. And I'm, I'm, I'm nodding. She said, yeah. And she said, you know how sometimes y'all like to lick the icing and then turn the cake around so that it looks like y'all have a mess with that other side of the icing. Like the cake is still perfect. And I kind of had to nod. Yeah. She's like, and then you know how sometimes if I leave that cake in there too long, and it's Sunday after church and everybody waiting for me to cut that cake and somebody I'm not going to say who now we all knew it was my grandfather he would normally if she didn't if she didn't take that the cake out of the refrigerator in time and it was after church he was going to get him a little taste as has as he liked to call it which meant it was a little sliver and he would make it where he would try to move the icing back over the vacant space of whatever cake, usually the chocolate ones, so that he wouldn't be found out that he had taken a taste of the cake. But my grandma always knew. She said, that's what I'm talking about when I say sex is like chocolate cake. I was like, oh. She said, a lot of times you try to hide it. You try to make it seem like it didn't happen. She said, but just like you're trying to hide it, the chocolate cake still tastes good like chocolate cake. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Now, I'm not following, but it is what it is. And she's telling me this story. And I'm trying to put together how part A and part B intersecting means chocolate cake. Because to be honest with you, going back to the situation with the little boy, the little manish boy, as my grandmother called him, I wasn't enjoying that chocolate cake. He was rubbing up against me and he smelled like goat. He smelled like little outside. You know how kids play and they smell like little goats when they come in. So it wasn't an enjoyable situation for me. So I'm still trying to figure out how that him rubbing his little peen up against me um, meant chocolate cake. Yeah. So uh, that was going on in my mind. And I don't remember all the particulars, but I do remember when she finally got it together she said something along these lines she said there will come a time when you do have sex and she says what i want you to come away with is i want you to feel good about getting a piece of the chocolate cake she said i want it to be where nobody has a problem with you getting this piece of chocolate cake i don't want you to ever feel ashamed about having to sneak a piece of this chocolate cake she says because the chocolate cake is going to be good and I want it to be the best chocolate cake 
it can be for you. Now, Lord, 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 baby Jesus, I wish my grandmother would have been able to have met a Dr. Clotaire Rapale. And I know I am butchering his name. Y'all, it's French. I ain't French. But anyway, Dr. Clotaire Rapali came out with a book um, and it's called The Culture Code. It has a really cool um, uh, subtitle. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, it's called The Culture Code, an ingenious way to understand why people around the world live and buy as they do. Now, for the most part, it's written for marketers and folks like that, you know, geeky people like me who love it. And that's, that's, that's no shame. I'm not ashamed of that. But there were so many uh, lessons that kind of put a stamp on how I was raised and what my grandparents and my mother were trying to, to instill in me that kind of brought it around 360. And I really enjoyed the book. And I, I, I go back to it every now and again because I always learn a different layer of something. I mean, the, the stories that he tells. Now, let me just tell you, Dr. I'm going to call him Clotaire because I always butcher his last name. And you, okay, yeah, I'll put, I'll put the link of the book in the description in the uh, show notes. Yeah, I'll do that for you. Because it's a really good book. I think you should have it. Even if you're not into marketing, it's a really good book. I mean, he talks about um, tones of countries and why we behave the way we do. Now, he talks a lot about European countries in the U.S. Like, you know, he says the U.S. is a rebellious kid that uh, never got a chance to grow up because we didn't get a chance to kill our king. And I hate to say it, but he was talking about France and the guillotine and all that kind of stuff. I digress. Let me tell you about the one that really got me. Okay, so in his book, he talks about how different societies view sex, uh, view drinking, and all of that. And because of us having this um, tone of the rebellious nature of the United States, he talks about how a lot of our first encounters with sex in the U.S. were stolen, secretive, or sneaky. Yeah. And he talks about how a lot of people lost their virginities in the back of a car, um, in the bedroom with their girlfriend or boyfriend while the parents are away, skipping school, at a party, in a closet, all of these secreted places uh, where there was this shared secret. Now, if you have listened to my podcast about the seductiveness of secrets, you'll you'll understand that this is kind of like reiterating that thing. But I actually read this book before I read Fool, Fooling Houdini when he talked about the shared secret of uh, of, of affairs and um, how they heighten the affair. So, Doctor Clotaire talks about uh, in America, we have this this shame about it, and a lot of times our first encounters with sex are in the secret, in the secreted places, in the dark, in the sneaking, in the snatching away. And now I was like, you French man, you, he talked about how quick they sometimes have to be because we don't want to get caught. And he says, so a quick hit it and quit it. Thank you, ma'am. You know, those kind of things are indicative of how our nature around sex has uh, evolved in uh, the American sense. And I was taken a little aback. I really was, you know, because, hey, I didn't want him to be right, but maybe he could be right. Wink, wink, you know. (laughs) So I loved how he viewed us because it had a, um, a French superiority to it 
with a little bit of an uh truth and a little bit of humor and kindness to um inoculate against the sting of it boy you should see what he says about the way we drink and oh you know what i'm gonna get that one to you for free that's a freebie on me so he says about americans as opposed to the french the French, he says, wine is always on the table and children grow up being able to, you know, drink a little bit of wine, having champagne and those types of things so that they understand the alcohol's benefit in the chain of the uh, gastro in uh, the gastro experience. They understand how the alcohol enhances a dish or finishes off or cleans a palate or makes it something crisper or whatever. And so their approach to alcohol is uh, an enhancement to their dining experience. Whereas for Americans, our history with the Puritans on to prohibition, on to spring breaks and all of that, our approach to it uh, has been that alcohol is our gateway to loss of inhibition. Uh, That we have set it up where alcohol has nothing to do with our food experience and everything to do with our permission to have fun it goes back to that rebellious nature that i can only have fun if i can blame it on the alcohol we even have songs about it and so it was just something so i I know i gave you that and um you know i'll get back on um our chocolate cake so going back and and listening to uh doc not uh, not listening but um reliving my grandmother's conversations about chocolate cake and how she wanted me to be able to have chocolate cake without shame and that she said it would be better. Um, After the fact, I don't know if it would be better or not. Some studies say that the initial um, encounters that heighten sex are the tabooness of them, the secretiveness of them, uh, the um, stealing something away. So much so that uh, um, I talked about another book that I've I've been reading that's a tome called Debt. And in that book, he talks about, and I I might put that one back in here as well so that you guys can check it out. It's not for the faint of heart. It's a long read, but it's a good one. So in debt, um, he, David, David Graeber talks about how women were used as bargaining uh, for procreation and all of that, but they weren't used as debt in the sense that they had a value. That, and he said the only value could be a woman for a woman or a life for a life because that was the uh, optimal, the epitome of value. And that that's the way uh, treaties and uh, marriages and empires and legacies and all of these things were um, decided within communities and dynasties and all of that kind of stuff. And so with that, the the service of sex was had nothing to do with chocolate cake. It was kind of like, okay, you give me an heir and you can be with whomever you want to your first duty is to not give me any bastard kids uh just you know make sure that you can do what you need to and so there there was that but if you look at the other side of it when you look at uh courtesans and um and you look at uh, companions in the great courts of old there was always a secretness to the the sex for pleasure 
you know so there was the duty sex and then there was the sex for pleasure there's another book um it escapes my mind right now so because of that i will not bring it up um but it was kind of like a history of romance and sex um man I want to talk about it I'll talk about it and I'll put the name of it uh in the show notes so with that one it was about um the history of of sex love and romance and it talked about how that we didn't get a chance to even have sex as chocolate cake before the turn of the century in from the um 18th to the 19th centuries because in the up until like the 1700s around the world we did not have industrialization and so it was hard to eke out a living and a lot of times people got together not because they were in love but because they proved by their looks and their abilities that they were able to produce strong uh, offspring and these offspring were needed because they needed as many hands as they could get to till the soil to work the lands now i'm not gonna go into um the u.s's black stain and i use that word intentionally on how they negated that but i will say that for the sanitized version of this it wasn't until we kind of got the cotton gin and plow um uh, automation that love was able to really blossom and even and that if you so like for the normal people but even with the aristocracy back in um the days of the the reigning Habsburgs and all of that uh, there's a movie dangerous liaisons that talks about the machinations behind the scenes of who's doing who and all this kind of stuff sex was still no matter what dr clotaire says sex still had that chocolate cake effect on it everybody's trying to get a piece but don't nobody want anybody to know that they had a piece get it and so um so like i'm i'm like listening to my grandma with this you know start of puberty uh mind just running amok because i'm like i don't understand but i think i understand and i want to understand and i don't want to you know betray my grandma or anything like that and she was looking back on her she was very liberal because she did not bring in any kind of spiritual shame about it she did not and um in hindsight i know why and that part of her story is not mine to tell so i won't uh but i will say that i thanked thank her and i i did have an opportunity to thank her as growing up uh for for not being that person who was um pious and and superficially virtuous you know for 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 me a virtuous woman in my grandmother and mother's eyes or in, in in their ways was a woman of truth and a woman who had the courage to be herself and to know who she was and to not always have to be strong not always have to be weak but find an, a harmony where she was able to be her best self and love herself in a, in a way that only she could do and so that coupled with <laughs> growing up having had the the totally uh in your face set birds and the bees this is what happens my mom even took our never forget my mom took us took us through 
the the at the time I think it was three stages or four stage no it's the three stages uh the four stages forgive me four stages of sex of the sexual acts so she talked about the floor foreplay um then she talked about um penetration uh she talked about arousal and then she talked about orgasm and uh, ejaculation for men you know and so um with pictures like I said my mom was a child sociologist and she was gonna do this right way and so she had already kind of had that, that conversation with us because she said she didn't want us to get caught up unawares. And my mother was always aware of predators um, out there. And so she wanted us to be fore, forewarned and forearmed um, for that. I just, I guess she forgot to tell us that little boys can be managed too. But anyway, so having that and then having my grandmother talking about the chocolate cake, I never looked at chocolate cake again like that. For the, To be honest with you, to this day, I'll take vanilla cake with cream cheese or vanilla icing any day over the one with chocolate cake because it may not consciously come up, but the impact of that conversation coupled with that event kind of does a little ding to me every time I think about chocolate cake. And forget about chocolate on chocolate. Okay, you can just forget about it because that one, I think, she had a chocolate on chocolate cake when she was giving me the talk so it was really um it it was it was really an anchoring moment for me because she wanted she was disappointed but the conversation that she gave me was was to be uplifting and to be freeing now I don't think my grandmother ever read femme fatale I don't um not femme fatale but um the feminine mystique I, um, I don't believe because she never discussed that book with us and I, like I said I don't know that she did or not um, but I'm going to say that in her own way she had a way about her that was all about um, it was all about knowing your worth and, and showing your freedoms and being your own person and so I was really kind of thankful for it now of course it took me a long time to get over uh disappointing her and I just was like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and she was like you know what move on don't don't let it don't let it get you down and I was very grateful for that and the onset of high school or or junior high I would say and having crushes and um even I I remember um I had a crush on a guy and he was he was nice to me and and I say I had a crush on him um but he was always so kind and I'll just say his name his name is Andre my family knows the whole Andre story if they're listening but um he was killed in a, in a, in a car accident and it hit me. And uh, I think I was 14 at the time. And that was the first time I had, I was old enough to really process death and all of that. And um, I didn't tell anybody this. I think I wrote it down somewhere, but I even wrote down, um, you know, when I was going through the grieving process, because my mother had encouraged me, you know, if I didn't want to talk to anybody about it, then I needed to write it down. And for some reason, when I was a kid, I didn't like to talk about traumatic stuff as much. Maybe that's why I went into the therapy side. I don't know. I digress. Let me get back on point. So I remember writing about Andre and uh, losing 
um, him at a, such a, a young age. And I even went to the funeral and the funeral was packed um, because he was a teenager. He wasn't out of high school. You know, he was a teenager when this happened. Um, he was visiting family up north and got in a car accident. And, and so anyway, I wrote down the journal and stuff in my little journal. And I remember now y'all don't judge me. Don't you dare judge me. I remember saying, writing down, and I wanted to give him my chocolate cake. Yes, I'm mourning, but I'm mourning the fact that I didn't get to give Andre my first piece of chocolate cake. (laughs) Yes, this is how the adolescent mind works. So now let's, let's fast forward this into adulthood and everything. And sitting back, looking at this over many years, many moons, many waters under my bridge, and looking at sex and chocolate cake it is now a profound subject and the reason why it's so profound is because I can see both sides of the cake now I can see the pleasure in sneaking the sliver the taste of the cake that my grandfather used to do and covering it up the little missing section with the thick icing that would cave in anyway but hey he tried it (laughs) I understood the the, 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 the burst of uh, satisfaction to that dopamine hit of serotonin to greet it as he possibly took the first bite of that, that uh, piece of case, cake that he had spirited away in the clandestine effort to get a taste before anybody else. I see the, the, the uh, seductive sweetness of stealing cake and hiding the fact that you stole it. I totally get that. But then you know what I also get? I also get those times when my grandmother iced that cake fast enough for the icing to still be molding and pooling around the edges. She did that on purpose because she knew we loved that part. And then saying, you want a piece? I know you want a piece. (laughs) And giving us a piece of hot cake with melted frosting on it and watching us delight in it as she delighted in us enjoying it. I remember her proudly displaying cakes that had various degrees of slices taken away from them under that big heavy glass dome that was set on a pedestal and set on the good table in the living room Yes, indeed. Not on the kitchen, in the good living room with pieces already taken out of it and everybody walking by and admiring those wonderful layer cakes of my grandmother's that were homemade from the cake to the icing to the everything. I look at those and I see where our expression of sex shouldn't just be one-sided. It shouldn't just be the clean puritanical expectation that everybody expects us to have. And it shouldn't just be those stolen moments in the closet, in the back of the car, in the bed when nobody is home. It should be a healthy or healthful mix of experiences. Now I say this because in case you didn't know, I make a majority of my living as being um a best-selling romance author. And I have to explore the power dynamics, the machinations, and the aftermath of the sexual act between my characters. And I can't say that I consciously think of sex as as chocolate cake, but I will tell you that I get the opportunity to be paid nicely uh, 
for exploring all ranges of that chocolate cake, whether it's a taste and a sliver between strangers or it's a oops, I did it again. I went back to the same chocolate cake when I said I was moving on to caramel cake or whatever it was. I I get to explore that and it is so wonderful. So here's a wisdom smack for you. I would like for you to go back and I'd like for you to not necessarily reframe, but just revisit your beliefs, your thoughts, or your memories around you and sex. Sex is very helpful. And I'm going to possibly do a podcast on the fact that in today's society, they say less of us are are having sex on a regular basis. (laughs) So we can possibly look at that. But just the idea of where it fits or has fit in your life. I want you to see what is the wisdom for you? Because my wisdom could totally be different from your wisdom. My wisdom says that there is a full, lovely, wonderful range of the sexual experience and that none of it is bad. Um, My experience says that uh, stolen fruit can sometimes be sweeter. (laughs) But on the same token, other side of the coin, permit, you know, uh, permitted sexual exploration with my loved one is also wonderful as well. You know, so there are just different little nuances that you can take from it. But I just really can thank my grandmother for always helping me to realize that sex is like, you guessed it, chocolate cake. So guess what? My time is up and I want to thank you for yours. This is Michelle Spivo with Wisdom Smack. And I want to ask that if you enjoyed this podcast and any of the others, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you comment, share, like, and if you really want to uh, support this podcast, please, when you do your Amazon shopping, consider using this show's uh, link that will take you directly to Amazon, where if you purchase anything within a certain amount of time, we may receive a small commission. It will not cost you anything more than what you were already doing, but we really do appreciate it and it helps and that link is michellespiva.com forward slash amc and that's going to do it for today sex and chocolate cake oh me oh my i'll talk to you tomorrow bye And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.